Welcome into Mustache, the drinking podcast. Andrew and Quinn here as usual. We are rolling with the gin category again today, Quinn. We're going to get right into gin cocktails. I thought we we both thought it was a good segue right off of gin. Yeah, and I honestly super excited for this week. I don't have any gin on hand today, so I'm going to let you go first for what you're... I'm drinking something, but it's not gin. So I'm going to let you go first on uh, what we're drinking today. So this week I made a gin fizz, uh, similar to a slow gin fizz, except like we covered last week. This one is using a London dry gin, which, quick quiz, what's the difference between a London dry gin and a slow gin? Do you remember? Uh, slow, gin is, slow gin is flavored, and a London dry gin is just a dry gin. Yep. Yeah, a London dry gin, they use a column still with a essentially like a, a gin basket um, to infuse the flavors that go into gin without a whole lot of the sweetness, hence why it's drier than other gins. And a slow gin is a gin that then incorporates berries. Uh, but so this week I'm drinking a gin fizz, uh, kind of a variation on one. I, I don't have club soda at home. So this week I'm using a sparkling water. I have hibiscus flavored uh, LaCroix. It, it's actually called Keybiscus, uh, but from what I can tell, it's just hibiscus flavor. Um, but so to make this, I used two ounces of gin, one ounce of lemon juice. Sadly, I don't have it fresh. I used a one-to-one ratio of agave nectar and water uh, for one ounce of a simple syrup, one egg white. Then you shake that all together, pour that into a tall glass, a Collins glass if you have it. I don't, so I'm using a, uh, it's actually a promotional uh, whiskey sour glass from Jameson. But it's about the same size. Um, And then you top that off with about one to two ounces of your sparkling water or club soda. But so the nose, I can't smell shit because there is a solid three quarters of an inch of foamed egg whites at the top. Um, (laughs) Oh, quench. Is silky and delicious, <laughs> and it's it's refreshing. It's lemony. It's really silky with the egg whites, um, and like like we've talked about before, egg whites mixed with alcohol actually create some natural sugars and add a kind of depth to the sweetness, uh, which goes really well with that agave nectar that I used to sweeten it because that's also a more deep um, kind of sweet sweetness. You put agave nectar in it? Yep. Interesting. Continue. Uh, Yeah, I I have a bottle of agave nectar from back when I worked in the restaurant and it's what I used to make my simple syrups because it's really easy. Do a Mm one-to-one ratio of that and water. You have a great simple syrup. That's what we use to sweeten a, a bunch of our drinks. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of agave nectar as a sweetener. And actually, as sugars go, it's much better for you. Um, but yeah, so this is it's lemony, it's refreshing. It, it's not super hibiscusy. Well, neither is you, the you actual drink it. you use, right? Um, it's surprisingly mm. strong in flavor, to be honest. For in LaCroix, really? Yeah. Interesting. Like, it it kind of shocked me when I first got it. Because okay. it's like the LaCroix that actually has something to it. <laughs> um, though I probably would have preferred to use the lemon LaCroix tonight if I had that, but I don't. Okay. It was this or orange, and I thought orange would be a bad call. Yeah, I wouldn't have done orange. But this is... This might be, like, my new favorite summer cocktail to make. Like, I love the the classic whiskey sour with the egg whites on top. 
and this is really comparable. This is like the the one you would want in the afternoon. <laughs> if say you were having an afternoon drink, the uh, the whiskey sour is a late night drink. So this is a a start your your day one. Okay, not start your day, but start your night. Um, and that whiskey sour is the the finish your night. Either way, it's delicious. <laughs> I think you just want to get to the whiskey, no matter what's happening. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, but I'm happy with gin, too. Oh, it's so... So there is a clear difference between when I get a sip that has egg white in it and when I don't. When it has the egg white, it's richer, and it's so much sweeter, but not like a like a, a white sugar sweet. It's like... It's a really round sweetness, and it, it completes the flavor. And I think part of that is um, the simple syrup gets caught into the egg whites as well as it forming its natural sugars when shaking. Um, and I actually just dry shook this. I didn't put any ice in it. And then the instructions I found online specifically for how to make it said to double strain. So I strained it through the top of my shaker. And then also through like a, a sieve that I have, a mesh strainer, okay. which I would not do again. That was a waste of time. <laughs> I did the majority nothing. of the egg white didn't go through it. Got it. And so I ended up just pouring the sparkling water through the strainer to try and wash the egg whites into it and then used a spatula to get it out and put it into the drink. So... Yeah, uh, just use your shaker. Fuck double straining. It wasn't worth it. Oh, well, you should talk so I can keep enjoying this. <laughs> no, I like just listening to you, uh, for a better term, moan over your drink for 25 minutes. I, I could do that. <laughs> um. Okay. Let's see. Uh, like I said, I didn't have any gin here, although I would have done something with my own gin at home um, if I had planned ahead. But as you both, as you all know, all uh, seven of you, th that doesn't happen. So we're here. <laughs> and um, there were an ample number of bottles of wine that I could pick from because I don't know if I've explained this before, but when we went on a wine tour a couple of years ago uh, in Sonoma, we were there for a wedding. We went on a wine tour because what else would you do in Sonoma? But go on a fucking wine tour it was fantastic. Even if you don't and like wine, that just sounds beautiful. Exactly, it was it was amazing. I got a glass from it that says I borrowed this from whatever winery on the bottom. It's hilarious, and I definitely <laughs> stole it, but that's fine. And <laughs> um, we get to the end, right? And at the end is the last winery. Uh, they, you obviously tasted at every winery, but the last winery tries to sell you for their wine club. And it's like, it's like a hundred, $120 or something or 200 to $200. And they send you six bottles of wine every six months. And it just auto pulls off your card. You sign up online and everything. Right. And they'll sign you up right there and you sign up until you cancel. And they give you a discount, obviously for the first six bottles of wine that they send you. So we are all, I didn't realize that we were all trashed, but like my mom was wasted, just wasted. And she's like, this wine is so good. We need to get this. And you get to pick your first six bottles. So I pick two ports. Kuna, have you had a port before? Like an expensive port? Uh, I can't say how expensive it was, but I've had ports before, like the after a meal kind of dessert wine. Yeah. So this one that we were all tasting is a $70 bottle of wine, but it, so it's 35 half dollar bottle of wine and it's made with um, whiskey or brandy. One of the two, I can't remember anymore. And I was involved with it. I'm like, this is fantastic. So we got three bottles of that and a couple bottles of something else. And I got two, my sister got two and my mom got two. Well, she didn't cancel it for like two years. So oh, her wow. cupboard, 
full of wine bottles from the same winery and they're all different. So it's it's pretty interesting. Like you walk in there, you look at all the other wines. But I picked a Malbec from 2017 out because um, I wanted because, you know, that's pretty much all we had, like I said. So it's got a great berry flavor to it. Berry smell to it in the nose. Oh, it just smells like a good glass of red wine. It's dry on the tongue, um, but not so tart. It makes your mouth water a touch, and uh, it keeps your tongue dry, like a dry wine, dry white red wine will do. But the rest of the flavor washes down your tongue pretty quick. It doesn't sit in your mouth like some red wines do. Uh, mainly cheaper, I would say, probably. Uh, it's fantastic. I do like Malbecs. Quinn, are you a Malbec fan at all? I am. A a Malbec is one of... A Malbec or a Pinot Noir are probably my two go-tos. This is fantastic. It's a 2017 Malbec, so it's a little... It's newer, but it's got a little bit of an age to it. Um, like I said, it washes down the throat very easy easy to drink uh, as long as you're okay with the dryness um all around a great wine if you know what mayo family wineries are to our listeners go and support them they're a lovely little winery in sonoma county and some of their wines are quite expensive but if you sign up for the wine club you might get a deal it's just a lot to drink six bottles of wine <laughs> and they kind of stack up if you forget and they keep just sending you random bottles of wine <laughs> Um, but their dessert wines are fantastic too. I, I opened one port, um, at the end of my junior year, I think. And then I drank the second bottle of port I had when I graduated college in celebration. Um, so it was, a, it's good memories along with this wine as well. And they have reserve type wines too, but it's just a fantastic glass of wine. And I would definitely, um, recommend it to anybody, uh, and it, we can dive more into uh, some specific type of wines in the future too, if anybody would want to hear about those, because I'm sure there's certain ones where Quinn and I could talk forever. And then there'd be ones where it was just me talking and Quinn kind of nodding his head, but you couldn't tell. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm the wrong person to have talked for a long time about wine, unless it's <laughs> rhubarb wine or mead, because those oh. are the two that I, I can actually talk about, not that they're the only two that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, though mead is probably my preferred wine. Mead is fantastic. It's it's just all around a good time. Uh, also, add in sake. I can talk about sake for a bit. I don't know. I've had sake like twice, and I was not a huge fan. I'm gonna have to <gasps> excuse me. Try it again. Um, it was years ago at. Uh, my wife's family's Christmas, they, they do a Yankee swap where everyone wraps a present and you essentially raffle off who gets to go first. And then you get to pick a present and steal a present if you don't like the one you got. Um, I actually stole the, uh, the four pack of sake from her stepdad, who was pissed. Oh my God. <laughs> the, the, the deal was I had to share a bottle with him before we left. Did and he know? That I took it from him? Yeah. Yeah, I walked up to him and I handed him, I think the, uh, what did I get? I think I got like a movie and a box of popcorn was the one that I opened. <laughs> so I handed that to him and took the socket. <laughs> oh, you could see it. Like, oh, I understand. Yeah, yeah could, the rule you is what it was. you get to steal mm. a present from someone who's already opened. Okay. And so either being the first person or the last person is best. And the middle sucks. Oh, because someone could steal your gift, yeah. Yep, and then gets to steal the one that you purposely stole. And you get and to go, oh, get... I wanted that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I definitely, we should, we should sidebar on the mead. One of our friends made uh, a batch of mead. And um, he left it in there for the amount of time it said. And he took it out and sent me a picture of it and said, this is absolutely terrible. And we can talk about that more after. But I think it's really funny when um, 
either even us when you take it out like you take like it's disappointing but it's also kind of funny when you you know you, you let it sit for two weeks and you take it out and it just tastes like ass <laughs> we should talk after because i think he got mixed up and might have forgotten about the secondary ferment ah heard heard well we should jump right into our gin cocktails today um i don't know Quinn, you you want to go first you want me to go first we're just gonna roll through a bunch of gin cocktails today and we're just gonna chat about them a little bit i think yeah, I'm going to start with a recipe for actually what I drank today, uh, which is a gin fizz or a slow gin fizz, if you happen to have slow gin on hand. Um, I don't. I can't you say I ever actually don't. saw slow gin at the liquor store when looking. Um, though now I'm probably going to look the next time I go after I go through my two bottles of Tangeray, and I think I almost killed off the bottle of beef eater I have. I think there's a quarter of a shot left. Ooh, you need another one. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> my wife and i've been trying to beat down the liquor cart for so long <laughs> and i had been so doing so well at not buying anything new until i saw the orange fucking from last week <laughs> yep. oh i'm to. sure she was thrilled I I, honestly she was surprised that i hadn't bought a new bottle of hard alcohol pretty much for the entire podcast that's I think that's I think crazy. One, maybe two bottles this entire time. Yeah, we've had we've had to buy something at once. I think probably yep, Japanese yeah, whiskey and the weird coffee rum that dyes your face blue. Yep, and, and and maybe something else after that. But other than that, it's just stuff people have left at like gatherings we've had over the past like five years. <laughs> Is your roommate helping as well? Uh, not as much as, as, as he could. He keeps buying new whiskey <laughs> instead of drinking He mine. keeps buying new whiskey? Yep. Damn he feels it. bad drinking my whiskey, which I appreciate. He knows I love it. But this is God true. damn it, I just have so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh don't God. confuse this with me complaining. <laughs> I just don't drink enough to have that much whiskey. Exactly. Our one night a week <laughs> that we drink when we record. Right. Uh, so to make a slow gin fizz, take two ounces of gin, one ounce lemon juice, and three quarters ounce of simple syrup. Pour that into a shaker. Crack one egg white into the glass. Again, avoid the yolk. You can save that yolk for other things later. Say you like to bake, you can make a custard with it. Um, add it to scrambled eggs if you're making scrambled eggs sometime to make like really good scrambled eggs. Uh, or you can throw it out. That also is an option. Uh, shake that for about 15 to 30 seconds without ice. Uh, then you can add in some ice cubes to shake it with some ice to cool it down. I didn't. And honestly, kind of glad that I didn't. Because I got a really nice, like, foamy egg top to it. Which made the drink, in my opinion. Uh, and then top that with about one to three ounces of your sparkling water or your club soda if you have it um, until you fill the glass. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I now have a complaint about the slow gin fizz or about the gin fizz. I finished mine. <laughs> Wasn't big enough. It's gone. <laughs> I, I I have two things. Number one, did you mean gin or slow gin? I meant gin, but you can use slow gin in it. That would change the drink so drastically, though. Yep. Uh, it would make it a lot fruitier. But mm. the recipe is actually exactly the same, whether you're using gin or slow gin. I'd say if you're using a regular gin, you can be more adventurous with using... Um, different flavored like sparkling waters or club sodas um, or adding some you know extra fruit into your shake. Uh, but with the slow gin, I'd be a little bit more apprehensive to do it. You don't want to cover up the flavors of that slow gin. True, true. And then my second thing is we can take a step back to our uh, hangover cure episode and save that egg yolk for the morning when you're hungover to do ah, the prairie oyster do your prairie oyster yep yep which was surprisingly better than i expected it was not bad it just yeah it just, i put too much hot sauce in way too much hot sauce 
I substituted something which wasn't the best idea. Yeah. No, I, I added I gin to mine. I made the gin yep. version of it. That's right. And I put soy sauce in mine. Yep. Yep. What an episode. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what oh. an episode. <laughs> oh, mistakes were made. Listeners, go back and check that one out. I think that was like our fifth or sixth episode. That was early. Yep. <laughs> oh, Joined my God. Special guest, Trevor. Trevor, professional college drinker and hangover specialist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a beautiful man. Are we moving on to me or? Yeah. Why don't you tell us about the hanky panky? Because I love the name of that hanky one. Hanky panky. I can do that. So hanky panky is co- is it lead it. They lead it with it's a sophisticated cocktail. But when you call it a hanky panky, you cannot say that it's sophisticated. <laughs> It is um, definitely from a time period. Yeah. So uh, the star in the drink is not actually gin. It's a uh, Fernet Branca. I think I'm saying that right. And it's Italian bitter that adds an herbal punch. So mm. I'm kind of getting like, um, ah, shit. What are you putting a martini? Vermouth vibes from that kind of description. Uh, with yeah, vermouth or kind of like a Negroni in a way. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that. Um, it's got a little bit of sweet, a little bit of bitter in it. Uh, it's very popular. Um, it is basically gin, vermouth, and then that Vernet Bernaca uh, liqueur, which we said was a, Frank, a, a French liqueur. It's actually gin version of a Toronto, which is made with whiskey, which I don't really know what that is either, but I assume it's just hmm. gin, vermouth, or just whiskey, vermouth, and um, some type of French liqueur. Uh Interesting, though, that you might mix. We'll move on with this. Um, how did it get its name? Uh, so it was invented by a famous woman bartender in the 1920s named Ada Coleman. She was known as Coley. Coley worked at the American Bar in London's Savoy Hotel. She invented this cocktail for the famous actor Sir Charles Hotray. Hotray? Hotray? Apparently, when he first tasted it, he exclaimed, by Jove, that is the real hanky panky. Uh, It was a 1920s way of saying, dang, this drink is good. What in the absolute fuck is that? (laughs) And we're going to look back in 20 years at what we said in the 2000s and be like, what the fuck we're already close to that point but give it another 20 years and we'll be like all right saying something is hanky panky is uh, just as absurd that's the hanky panky can you just see your great grandfather saying that at the bar god damn it <laughs> um uh, let's talk about that for Bernaca a little bit that's an italian bitter like i said it's a mix of herbs and spices it's higher alcohol content than most bitters i didn't even know bitters were supposed to have an alcohol content but this one is 40 yep. to 45 and you splash it in cocktails uh so it's a very light kind of addition uh like i said kind of the same as a vermouth you would add less than half an ounce um two things probably the very low amount Bronca, Fernet, Fairnet, Fernet, Bronca. Ah, whatever. No one speaks French to listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> and if you do, tell us how the fuck to say French words. Yeah, definitely. So it's one and a half ounces of gin, one and a half ounces of sweet vermouth. That is a fuckload of sweet vermouth. And a half tea, half teaspoon of Fernet Bernanke. So yeah, a very light. I mean, you're adding two twist. really bitter ingredients. So you do definitely yeah. need that sweet vermouth. I mean, it's a really similar recipe to the Negroni. It's just less of Maybe the bittering that's... agent in this than a Negroni. Let's see the uh, Toronto. I want to mention this one before we move on, if I can find the recipe. So this one is two ounces of rye, a half ounce of Fernet Branaca, a half ounce of simple syrup, or Quinn, listen to this, or pure maple syrup and two okay. dashes of Angostura bitters. This does sound good. Yeah, that sounds like something I'd drink. Not on point with this episode, but we might have to come back to that. I will save it with that. Quinn, we should move on to another one of your drinks. 
Uh, so the next one I have, it's a classic. It's not going to need much explanation. It's a gin and tonic. When you think of a gin cocktail, what's the first one you think of? It's a uh, gin shot of gin. That's not a cocktail. <laughs> That's a shot. <laughs> it, it's, it's either going to be the gin cocktail or the gin and tonic, or it's going to be a gin martini, aka the real martini. Um, a martini. And, you know, like easy recipe, it's two ounces of gin, five ounces of tonic water, garnish with a lime lime wedge. Uh, Really, you need that lime wedge in there. It makes a big difference. It needs that citrus. It opens it up. And the effervescence from the tonic water causes the nose to get tons of that lime, which is going to cause you to taste it more. Uh, since 90% of taste is smell. Um, so that effervescence of the lime will certainly increase the citrus level and just make it so good. And the beauty of the gin tonic is it's a really easy one to play with. Like, you could add a slow gin to this. You could just muddle up some blackberries, throw them in there, throw in some strawberries, Um I've even seen people do, like, sticks of watermelon in it. Sticks of watermelon? Just, like, cut a stick of watermelon? Would you crush it up or you just let it go in there? You could crush it up or you could just put it in there. Hmm. Depends on how much watermelon taste you want. Or you could do both. Shit, man. You're really just just going all out. I see. I see how it is. Continue. (laughs) Um. Yeah, like I made a gin and tonic with, remember the uh, prickly pear gin that I made a while back? Yes. Made a gin tonic with that. Oh my God. So good. Uh, The gin was on full display in that because, you know, the effervescent, the bubbles, it got more of that flavor um, just through the smell and you could really taste the prickly pear and still all of the herbal notes of that gin. It, it was pretty fucking good. It sounds, it sounds good. I wish I would have got to try that. So, uh, Andrew, why don't you take us to New York? Yeah, we can talk about the Bronx a little bit, which is a drink, surprisingly, not just a city part. Um, but it is a pre-prohibition cocktail. It's very much like the Martini or the Manhattan. Um, famous, famous cocktail. Uh. It's got a creation to Johnny Salon, a bartender from the world-famous Astoria Waldorf Hotel in New York. Reported, uh, it says Salon created it in the early 1900s through an at, um, though we don't exactly know why. According to bartender legend Gary Reagan, named it after the Bronx after visiting the Bronx Zoo, which opened in 1899. Um, other than that, it is basically a perfect martini, uh, equal parts sweet and dry vermouth included with a bit of orange juice and some orange bitters. Uh, the particular recipe is perhaps why the drink has the robust legacy of its similarly New York borough named whiskey counterpart, the Manhattan orange juice is not nearly as popular an ingredient in cocktails as like your limes, your lemon, lemons, or even grapefruit juice. It lacks that intense, concentrated bite of those of other citrus fruits. The Bronx is an interesting name for it. I've never heard of this drink before here, but the recipe is two ounces of gin, a fourth of dry and sweet vermouth, an ounce of orange juice, which is quite a bit uh, really being the body of this drink. And then you can put a dash of orange bitters in there if you would like. Um. Uh, I would not probably like this. I don't you think. Although, I don't. I know I joke about hating orange juice. I just, I'm not a huge fan of the flavor of orange. I think it is. Um, I'll drink it like when I'm sick, and it doesn't bother me like drinking it because I know it's good for you. It's the drinking it for um, leisure, it's medicine, uh, not pleasure. Basically, and like, I don't know, Bombay Sapphire and any type of juice is good. Like, I'll like that and drink that. So Bombay Sapphire and 
a orange juice I'd probably like because of the citrusy and flavor type of a Bombay Sapphire gin. But this one is interesting because vermouth, it's just strong. So I can't imagine this not taking that drink over more or less. You said it was equal parts sweet and dry at three quarters ounces per. At four, a fourth of an ounce, yeah. Fourth of an ounce per, so half ounce vermouth total. Yeah. And one ounce orange juice. One ounce gin. Two ounces of gin. Two ounces of gin. I mean, I don't think that vermouth would fight that much. I think it would add more depth than it would add, like, the forefront flavor. Okay. I think you'd see a lot of, like... Not not to say like sparring, but like back and forth between the gin and the orange. On different levels of your flavor palette. Yep. Suppose. Suppose. I understand why it's not as popular as your Manhattan or your um like your your Manhattan, right? It, it, it Manhattan's such a classic cocktail and it has such a deep and the whiskey I think is different too, because people I think even at a younger age, like whiskey more than they're going to like gin, even just based on first taste. You know what I mean? Gin, granted, it's changing a lot now because gin is having a massive resurgence right now in popularity. Mm -hmm. It's on track to become the trendiest, um, like hard liquor you can find. It's like dethroning whiskey for like the sipping cocktail or the, the sipping drink, even neat. Um, That's insane. I know, which I've I've opened my eyes to it. And, you know, there's arguments to be made. I I, I can't I, agree with you. I but... I don't think it deserves the place of whiskey, but I think it it can stand alongside whiskey. Um, when it comes to a good mm-hmm. gin, is good as a sipping gin. When it comes to a bad gin, just like a bad whiskey. Please, for the love of God, put that in something. (laughs) (laughs) Fair, fair, fair. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. This is a this is just another one of those. It's popular. I think it used to be a really popular. Um, I've never heard of anyone ordering this, even at like our martini bar. Um, I don't think there's anything like this on the menu that I remember. Do you do you remember? Is there? I can't say I've ever had or seen a Bronx on a menu. Um, yeah. I'll I'll have to try someday and just go to bar, ask for a Bronx, <laughs> see if I can actually get it. I'll, I'll ask for it around brunch time <laughs> if I go out to a brunch because then I know they'll have orange juice. Well, I can make this. Like, I, I could make this at our bar. Um, you can make this at any bar. Any bar. It's just any bar. And they'll look it up for you. They'll make it. It's just, will it I be I just good? want to see if like a nice cocktail bar will even know what this is anymore. This is true. This is true. I know what a nice cocktail bar would know what it is, and it's one of your favorite drinks. Yes, it is. Uh, it's the Negroni, which you would be amazed, actually, how many bars have no idea what you're talking about. I enjoy that, but also I don't because that is a Groni is a classic. Oh, a true yeah, when, classic when, cocktail. When you're talking about like, say the ten big cocktails, it's almost guaranteed to be on that list as like Top classic cocktail. Um, and it it's the easiest recipe to remember. One ounce gin. One ounce sweet vermouth. One ounce Campari, garnish with an orange slice. Some people argue it should be a lemon slice. I think those people are wrong because that drink does not need an, a, like a souring agent to it. It needs a, a tart sweetness, which is what you get with an orange, is a sweet tart as opposed to just tart. Um, because it... it it has bitter in the gin and real bitter in the Campari and slightly bitter 
in the sweet vermouth. Uh, never mix it up and use dry vermouth. Um, once when I was younger, I made my dad a, a Negroni. I think it was the first time I ever made him one. And I, I didn't know there was a difference between sweet and dry. So I put in dry vermouth. <laughs> and oh, uh, oh, no. the look on his face when he took a sip, uh, it, it was like I had removed the paint from his, like, from the back of his eyes. <laughs> the back of his eyes. What a, what you know, it, a it was just like, just drained of all life for a moment. And just, what did you say you put in this? <laughs> I put in these three things. Yeah. When you say vermouth, what vermouth? <laughs> I don't know the vermouth we have. We have two. It's important. There's two. <laughs> I didn't look that deep in the liquor cabinet. <laughs> like, I didn't know. There were two things. Uh, but now no, the, the, the Negroni is one of my absolute favorites. I actually, um, we were having like a, a celebration since uh, our roommates moving out and Kayla and I are moving into a new apartment. Um, so we were just like, you know, celebrating the, you know, we'd lived together for like four years with him, I mm-hmm. think. Close to. Shit. Uh, That's um, sad. I know, right? Sad that it's ending. It'll be nice, though, to just be my wife and I. Actually be more, I can understand that, that. you know, non-millennial Married. adult. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so we were celebrating and I, I made myself a, uh, Negroni and oh my God, it's just so good. And the best part is, is when someone tells you, oh, I have no idea how to make this at a bar. All you have to go is, do you have a bottle of Campari? Yeah. Look at the back of it. There's two ingredients, Campari, or two recipes, Campari and soda. Right below that is the classic Negroni. Jesus. <laughs> like, if you tell me you don't know how to make it, come on. It's pretty easy. That's if they have Campari. <laughs> right. It can be made with Aperol. It's not that good. It's way too sweet. <laughs> You're wrong, but continue. <laughs> it, no, the... The point of the Negroni is it is a slow sipping drink that's an aperitif. It, it goes with like a meal or something. So it's something slow that you have throughout your the entirety of like a half hour, 45 minute meal. Three hour meal. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a drink you're going to chug because you physically can't. <laughs> Oh, I've tried. It was terrible. Yeah, it sounds like the absolute worst way to drink a Negroni. Oh, quickly. it was terrible. God. We added, uh, we added grenadine to it. Oh. Yeah, to oh. try to make it easier to drink. No, reality, that... we should have just covered it in soda water because that's the only thing that would make it easier to drink is a Yes, base. that would have been the <laughs> only option would be to water it down. Not to yep. add pomegranate sugar. Because that <laughs> wasn't that good. It was so bad. Well with Campari. It. Like, it. oh, there, there's too many herbs, like herbal yeah, notes in that bad. for, oh, oh I'm, no wonder you don't like Negronis. I, well, I drank it. I took the like, absolute worst took experience like with it. Five sips before we tried that because it wasn't about, uh, he had made a bad choice making that. Because it was, we were all drinking to drink. We weren't drinking to enjoy our... I mean, we were drinking to enjoy, but we weren't like... The, on the on the docket, we're like, there was a black we rush. party mode, rush. not like yeah, social was, gathering. Yeah. Margaritas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was not okay, the drink to make. I'll make you day. a good Negroni, and we'll see where you stand. Or I'll send you all the like pre-measured ingredients to make a good one. <laughs> For one of them. For one, yeah. <laughs> For one. And I can try one glass. And love it. But it's an easy drink, yeah. You're just not going to oh, find Campari. Easy. 
No, but you'll find it more places than you expect. Interesting. Just expect to be charged tooth and nail for it um, at most restaurants. Well, that's going to bring us to the Bee's Knees, which is going to be a Prohibition-era cocktail. It's got gin, lemon juice, and honey. It's pretty pretty straightforward here. It's credited to Frank Meyer and an Austrian-born bartender who worked at the Hotel Ritz Paris during the 1920s. I got to specify now he didn't work last year. It's a simple... Extension of the classic gin sour, which is gin, lemon, and sugar. It features honey instead of sugar. The drink creates a richer, it's a richer drink. Um, it says it may have been employed to mask the taste of subpar gin. It was prevalent in the 20s. God, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we don't have, now we don't have to deal with that as much, but it's, the recipe is two ounces of gin three-fourths ounce lemon juice freshly squeezed go fuck yourself from a bartender uh half an ounce of honey syrup and a garnish of a lemon twist this doesn't sound bad honey is freshly squeezed freshly squeezed lemon juice freshly squeezed go fuck yourself that it's so much always be better with fresh squeezed. i just don't die fresh orange or (laughs) lemons and limes at home Oh, I don't I don't even want to keep them at the bar. <laughs> if someone I want you to know that one of the other bartenders I work with, if someone orders a gimlet, will will accept they they tell guests we don't have it if we have if they order a gimlet because the that bartender will make you squeeze your own limes into the drink. <laughs> That's just a bad bartender. No, we don't work at a rest. We don't work at a bar that makes classics like this. We make margaritas. <laughs> um, uh, but that is a fantastic segue because uh, Quinn, uh, uh, you're squeezing your own limes for your gimlet. Yeah, actually, gimlet is my next one. And in addition to using my own limes, I'm making my own cordial. Do you know what a cordial is? I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. So there's two main types. There's the alcoholic cordial and there's the non-alcoholic cordial. We'll be talking about the non-alcoholic version. Basically, it's a watered down simple syrup. So where your simple syrup is a one-to-one ratio of sugar to water, this is a one-to-two ratio where you also add in lime juice uh, to make a lime cordial. So it's one part sugar, two parts water, and then like a, oh, say like a quarter to a fifth part lime to taste. Um, and that's actually where you get the lime flavor in a real gimlet, is it's two ounces of limes, then three quarters of an ounce of your cordial, and then garnish with a lime wedge. I have had a court or a gimlet, I think maybe twice. Um, And now that I know the recipe of it, I know why I thought it was really strong. Because it is more than two parts gin. (laughs) (laughs) It's heavy on the gin. Um, And that was definitely like, the way I describe it is it tastes like a gin and tonic if they forgot to put in the tonic <laughs> and gave you the gin and the lime, but with a little <laughs> bit of sugar, which That's the- sounds like a bad <laughs> like attempt, but it's actually pretty good so long as you're aware of what you're getting. Not unpleasantly surprised by the lead the middle and the end of gin yeah you have to know you're getting into a gin forward drink like gin is the star of the gimlet the lime is in there to make the gin a little bit better to make the gin shine 
just like the gin and tonic uses the effervescence to make the gin more floral and to get more of those notes from it. This gives you that by just giving you a lot of gin. <laughs> Which is a fair, that's a fair way. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, just gin. <laughs> I certainly enjoyed it. And now that I know exactly how you make it, I know when to get it. <laughs> Did you make the mistake of getting it when you needed to drink it quickly? or? <laughs> oh, yeah. Making the mistake of getting it when everyone else is like, so uh, my wife's favorite bar in St. Cloud is the Martini Lounge, uh, which Adrian, our guest from uh, episode two of our mixology series, um, she runs the bars that that is connected to at the red carpet nightclub uh, in St. Cloud. But like when we go there and people are getting like the hopeless romantic or the naughty Irish schoolgirl or these drinks that are pseudo martinis that are meant to be drank. Fa- okay. Not meant to be drank fast. They can be taste fast. in such a way <laughs> that it is not difficult to put them away. <laughs> um, where the gimlet, is one where you go, oh, cool, I'm going to get this. Sip. Oh, God. Everyone's ordering another round? I want to join, though. <laughs> I don't want to have to wait until they finish this round to get another round. I oh, Do I double fist? That's going to be a mistake. Oh. <laughs> and then the real mistake of all was not just waiting until another round came. Obviously. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, obviously the mistake. Are you kidding me? Mistakes. Oh god. The gimlet sounds good. It does. Um but I know that's your last on your list, so I want to bring up one last one before we head out and cut it off here. It is called the Singapore Sling and it's a very new uh newer in big gin cocktail rings, I should say. Um what like the last 20 quick. years or something? Um, no, it was actually developed in 1915. It's just not very popular yet. Oh, (laughs) it was developed in about it a lot. Oh, okay. It just, it just said that it wasn't uh, super big, but it had been making the rounds and was gaining notoriety. I guess that's what I read. Um, okay. It's origin is not for sure. Um, but it's a semi-sweet, sparkling, fruity punch. Kind of has a complex flavor, as all gin uh, drinks do. It was said to be developed in Singapore's Raffles Hotel. And uh, uh, the recipe was apparently lost in the 1930s um, for that original one. Uh, but each uh, version follows the gin sling formula of gin, citrus, sweetener, and soda. And many bartenders, it says, agree that uh, Benedictine, which is a liquor, Benedictine, uh, is its uh, its key ingredient here. It has a herbaceous flavor that is essential. So um, it's one and a half ounces of gin, one ounce of Benedictine, one ounce of lime juice, one ounce of cherry or half ounce of cherry liqueur, a fourth ounce of simple syrup, two ounces of club soda. Lemon slice, maraschino cherry on top. I'll take that without cherry and be very happy. With a what? I'll take that without the maraschino cherry and be very happy with it. Why? I'm not a big fan of maraschino cherries and cocktails. I like it in my cherry Coke, and that's kind (laughs) of it. This sounds extremely complex and layered um, for flavor profile. Benedictine is a really good herbaceous drink. Um, I can't say I can really pick out like the individual flavors in it, Um, but I think of it as kind of like a similar to like a Le Saint Germain elderflower liqueur but without the elderflower punch. Okay. Okay. I've never had the elderflower liqueur you're talking about, but it it sounds something right up your alley. It's pretty damn good. 
<laughs> this sounds good though. I I would make this if I um were gonna buy Benedict Benedictine, but that sounds expensive and a waste of money for me to only use it once. <laughs> um, I think if you got it, you would be you know, pleasantly surprised by how much you could do with it and how much you like doing with it. Do you have it on your drink cart? Nope. <laughs> it's on my list of things I'd like to get for that drink cart when um, it becomes manageable. Fair. Fair. Well, that's... um. I don't think there's anything else, Quinn, anything you wanted to touch on last for uh, gin cocktails? Um, you know, not really. I, I think... I don't know if we should do another week talking about more gin cocktails or, you know, maybe do a, a gin off, make our own gin cocktail and, you know, kind of like compete with one another, have each other make each other's drink and vote to decide, you know, who has the best one or, or what. I think there's more to do with gin. I just don't know what it is. Well, Maybe sipping gins. Not doing that. Nope. Nope. You're you're too afraid. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not doing a. I don't want to waste money on a sipping gin because I'm very confident I will not drink the entire bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and my liquor cart probably looks more full than your liquor cart, considering there's four of us that live in that house. <laughs> well, I could do it. <laughs> um but with that we'll wrap it up uh thank you so much for listening again that number as always is 1-800-662-HELP 1-800-662-4357 if you're ever feeling like you or a family or friend is dealing with troubles with alcoholism or drinking too much you can call that number for help drink responsibly don't get behind the wheel if you've had anything to drink we all love drinking it in moderation and i know i joke about getting absolutely blasted but um remember that number is there for you if uh that becomes a problem but thank you guys so much for listening to mustache drinking podcast have a great rest of your night see ya